0: Culpix Radio WCTX 66.6 in your pod store, Apple, Google, or Spotify. With me, as always, your host, Django Nudo. And the Smart Peddler. Hashtag, we, we are, are Culpix. Let me ask you,
1: Smutty, you've been in the cinema again. Indeed. Last Monday, we had a new screening at Bio Aspen in Asboden, Stockholm. And the theme of the night was cult for kids. Cult for kids. Were there actually any kids there? Or was it big kids, grown up kids? They these were uh, they were kids in their minds, but not yes. in terms of the years they had been living. <laughs> yes. Nobody
0: indeed. wanted to slip their you know offsprings and expose them no, to no. possible perversions. Although of course entirely family friendly yeah
1: but it was a great night it was uh lovely the people who came were lovely and we had some great guests and it was just a wonderful setting and a wonderful mood so that that was good and also a revelation to watch these two films
0: yes because of course both of these films which we will discuss a bit later on are on cult pics but this was the first time they were shown anywhere, I think, since they were restored or one of them restored by the Swedish Film Institute. And, you know, we are big proponents of the big screen. And you told me it, it did look great on the big screen. Oh, yeah.
1: And I mean, none of the films have, have been shown on the big screen since they, they had their premiere. Mm. I think there were yeah. some VHS releases back in the 80s, but that's about it
0: true because these weren't the kind of classics it's not like jungle book that gets brought back to the big screen or at least was when I was a kid every five years or so I mean these have literally they they failed to make a splash at the big screen and then they vanished and like I said you know had a brief outing on VHS and never seen again yep, until until exactly. Picks came along and the Swedish Film Institute mm so tell us a little bit about who was there and and what they because as always there's always a little bit of an introduction and a special event around the screening of
1: the films it's not just uh, come and sit and watch the films yes it's, indeed so we we had the two films um the gröna gubbar from ir which we call now little green men from outer space which i think is a pretty much what it's all about. Uh, yeah. We had the director Hans Hattvig there, who's a legend in Sweden. Uh, he directed the film Blödaren, The Bleeder, in 1982, which is also on mm. picks But most of all, he's famous for having been the editor-in-chief and owner of the uh, youth or pop magazine OK, which started out in 1980. And at its peak, it had the whopping 156,000 thousand sold copies per issue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember buying it. I yeah. mean this is what you did. So that was huge. Music and <laughs> and he's a have... he's
1: a great guy. We hope to have him on our podcast. He has tons of stories and just so much fun to hang around with him. And we mm. brought in thanks to him uh Keio J. Salmela, J. Salmala, who is one of the little green men in the film, who was a very flamboyant and funny guy and had some great stories as well. He was actually in uh, one of the Harry Potter films as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was yeah. one of the fifty gnomes in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I suppose it's, they shipped in
0: short people from all over Europe. I uh, think just so. To yes, make the numbers. Yes,
1: it must have been a. a, a the, they weren't called out for any anyone they could have. So he told us he was in. He's visible in two seconds. Ah, oh. it's
0: yeah. The fate of all um, extras, tall or short. Yes. But, uh, so this was a bit of a um, trick along the lines of uh, the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with the Oompa Loompas, you know. Yeah, so but the, these were all person. individuals
1: instead. Yes, yeah.
0: exactly. And they were painted green. Exactly, so like,
1: yeah. And I had never seen the film, so that was great, great fun. And then we also had uh, the, the son of the the famous or infamous bo Vibenius, Mr. Christopher Vibenius, who Mm. introduced um, the other film, uh, which is his father's directorial debut from 1969. And uh, the funny thing is that the title is so long, and I asked the audience, can anyone please name this film that we are watching right now? And nobody could. I think the title definitely didn't help the no. film and may even have contributed to its early demise in cinema. But, but so the f- the title is in English and in Swedish, um, uh, if we just directly translate it, How Marie Met Frederick, The Donkey Rebbers, The Kangaroo Ploy, and Do we even dot, dot, dot.
0: Do we even know what was supposed to come after the end? I mean, they could have t- had done it epically long by listing out all the things that Yeah. Yeah, there there, there is
1: included. there is a there is a rabbit. <laughs> oh. I don't remember the name of it, but there there are some other characters there that could have been just listed on and on.
0: Hmm. Well, we will uh, play a clip and, and talk about it. But so, d- did Christopher have any anecdotes or any uh, insights into his father's first ever film? And you know, we should say we've we've communicated a lot with Buana, and he is well spoken in writing. He's just a little shy when it comes to public appearances. So. Yes,
1: and I think he he his health is is poor right now, so that's why why uh, mm. Christopher was there. But it was it was great great that he came. And um, his stories, I, I, I love this, is that um, the two kids in the film, uh, Madeleine Onne and Friedrich Beklén, they were must have been around, I don't know, eight years old, maybe, something like that, yeah. eight or nine. And um, they, their parents just left them at the house where where uh, the, the <laughs> Vibhenius family lived, and they stayed there for months during the summer, and, and that was Fun. fine back in the day. And so that was kind of weird. And also uh, the fact that the the donkey and the kangaroo also lived there at the same time. Wow. Uh, and so the story goes that they had a beautiful garden and the kangaroo ate everything, every plant in the garden, except for the juniper tree. And then came the donkey and it ate the juniper tree as well. <laughs> Where did they even get a kangaroo from? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's uh, it's mind-boggling that they could keep it in 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 their private home. So, but that, there well, you go. Th- th-
0: this this is one of those you know, no animals or children were harmed in the making of this film. Yeah, you know. and, and
1: we can get back to that about children being harmed later on. Mm, we will do. Mm. But
0: uh, before we start off. Talking about the films themselves on the cinematic front as well we should give another plug for the upcoming screenings in the uk so having uh completed a successful showing of night of the living dead restored in 4k with everyman cinemas and by the way i made it to the midnight screening at the screen on the green and it looked really really good i have to say Great. i haven't seen it either on the big screen and you know both the intro the cult Pix logo and the film looked stunning it's, and it's a great film, so it should be seen on the big screen. Some people yeah. will bring it back. But we've got three more films coming up. And for the next film, which is She Freak, I will be recording a special introduction and probably a bit of a promotional clip as well with Karen Krasanovich, um, who will be presenting the film in later in October. And then we've got a big announcement that we've got Christina Lindbergh herself coming over to London to introduce the film in person and i think we're going to make her do book signings and fan meetings so anybody's listening if you're in the uk or if you can reach the uk um, make sure you book your tickets so that you can watch the newly restored version of anita with christina lindbergh herself there in flesh yeah and, and if
1: you don't know of the film you can also be aware that it's uh, one of uh, Stellan Skarsgård's first films, his sort of baby steps before he became a big star.
0: Yeah, and I'd, i I've told you this, but I bumped into the produce co-producer of many of Lars von Trier's film at uh, in Germany recently. Oh yeah, and she didn't know that *Nymphomaniac* one and two is a blatant or should we say lovingly ripped off mm. from *Anita*. Yeah, so it's good old Lars. But we forgive him. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it for uh, the upcoming film releases in the cinema. Let's go and talk a little bit now about the films that are new on Cult Pics this week. So, do we start off with
1: a f- clip from the first film? Let's let's do it, and then we will tell you what you have been listening to. Hi, guy. Hello. It's okay. I just want to be a little bit careful. It's a song I'm working on back in L.A. It's about a girl I used to know. Do you like the music? Like the music. That's great. Um, My name is Randy. What's your name? you Oh, I've been pleased to meet you. Pleased to meet you. Do you work here in the park? I work in the park. There's a band. They're called Bubbles. They're downstairs playing. They work here, too. And they play guitars. Things like guitar? that. Yeah, like right over there. Um, You play guitar. Are you a musician? Musician. That's great. How are you from around here? around here? here. That was none other than uh, Dwayne Loken, um, to most people, famous as Wolfpaw in the hugely popular TV series How the West Was Won, or the Family McCahan, as it was called in Sweden. And mm. here he is talking to one of the three little green men, Urving, who's trying to pick up some English words. Uh, he's very um, susceptible to language, so he picks up little things. And the film is Gröna från YR, or Little Green Men from Outer Space. Uh, it's a very, very strange film and lots and lots of fun to watch because, in short, it's about a UFO that crash lands in a theme park. And for Swedes, it's the theme park Sommarland run by Bat Carlson, who also had a very strange sort of neoliberal party who was in, in the parliament for a while, many, many years ago. And yes. the whole theme park looks like shit, basically, in the film. <laughs> <laughs> so we had Coney Island
0: last week, and this week we've got our very own Swedish Coney Island. Yes. Not looking and- any
1: better. And the funny thing is that uh, the uh, the aliens are chased by the UFO hunters, which is a, a sort of a department of the Swedish military, and the general uh, General Panzarson, the, the the Panzer general uh, who yeah. looks like Patton in ter- yes. terms of his uniform and and helmet, but he's taken like straight taken straight out of a, a, a Swedish military comedy from the thirties or forties.
0: Not to accuse. His- Director Hans Hatvig and, and writer of the film of lacking originality, but it very much a film of its time. I mean, this this was after E. T. the Extraterrestrial, when yes. there was a horde of now much forgotten films with kids uh, meeting aliens, uh, crashed spaceships. But it definitely stands out on it on its own by virtue of the fact that he had the brilliant idea of just casting
1: three. Do we call them short people? Do we call them dwarfs now? I, I don't know. It, when meeting with one of the main characters, he says himself, I was one of the little green men, so I don't think he has a problem with it.
0: Okay. Well, anyway, so the little people, and then just spray painting them, you know, brush painting them. Yep. Painting is a bit of a theme this week. Uh, in the color of green, sort of like blue man group, except green man group. Exactly. Little green man group. And and yeah, and and letting them loose in this uh, amusement park in Sweden.
1: And as you say, it's very much uh, E.T. oriented because uh, obviously there's a bunch of youngsters working at this theme park who are helping the aliens against the uh, vicious General Pansarson. And it's just a lot of sort of slipping on a banana peel type humor in it.
2: Yeah.
0: Do we think we'll have English subtitles for it at some point? To yeah, we will have to. We will have
1: to get that, but uh, not for for now, no. But we will we will go for it. Uh, but it's so visual, and there's so much happening, and it's really fast paced, fast cut, mm. and it's just lots and lots of fun. And for you aficionados out there, uh, the film was uh, the whole team was Mats Helge Olsson's action force team. Mm. Who made a lot of low-budget quickies in the, the lead shopping area in, in Sweden at at that time, so they were very much used to to making quick and dirty films, um, and hence the, the the relative high quality of the of the production.
0: And as we were talking about yesterday, uh last week, uh, a career extreme for a director to go from making a film like uh, *Blöder* and *The Bleeder* you know slasher horror you know shaky video cam to doing a kids film much like the next film that we're going to be talking about which we uh referenced which is one of uh debut as a director he he worked previously didn't he uh with bergman and on you know many many film productions yeah, he was
1: an assistant director to ingmar bergman in in a, in a number of films mm and this was going to be his
0: uh, big debut. Yeah. Uh, 1969. Um, can you tell us anything more about the production and the kind of background to the film?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I think that he he really has a message in the film. I had never seen it before, and it has basically been s- buried still haven't. for a long, long time. And uh I would say... This might sound pretentious, but I think this is a, a film about pacifism and, and uh, humanity uh, in a beautiful way. Uh, it's very slow-paced, but it's the, the cinematography is great. And the Swedish Film Institute has now restored it from the original negative. So it looks like it was shot yesterday, basically. Mm. And... Uh, going going back to the, the whole backstory is that he obviously wanted to have a box office hit the film was slagged by the critics um, one of the main things that they, they went for was the sponsorship in the film so yeah. there's a lot of product placement in it which has become obviously normal in any yes. type of film these days but back back in 1969 you have to remember this is the year after the, the 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 May revolts in in Paris. It was the hippie era with with a lot of anti-commercial feelings. Uh, so this was something that they they went for. And, and the
0: counterculture seeps through it because uh, the uh, girl lead in the film is wearing a T-shirt on which it's written "Mary Poppins is a junkie," yeah. which I thought that was that's extreme. But I, I looked it up, and apparently. Uh, it was a phrase that was coined by a California disc jockey in the mid-60s. Wow. And it became a um, a meme, effectively, one of the first memes. Uh, it was widely distributed as a bumper sticker. And get this, Julie Anders herself once put that bumper sticker on her car that says Mary Poppins is a
1: junkie. I did not know this. That's amazing. <laughs> and the funny thing is that in the same scene, uh, the other guy, uh, uh, Fredrik, he is wearing a T-shirt with a design from Big Daddy Roth, who did the Rat oh. designs with monsters in in, in hot rods. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we are thinking of doing reissues of both T-shirts.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah, I think there's available as print-on-demand because I, I, I wanted to find out <laughs> where on earth did this come from, yeah. but... Yeah, it's it's, it's a amazing. classic slogan. That's So the sto- the revival. story
1: of the film itself is that uh, little Marie uh breaks uh, uh, an expensive vase and uh runs away from home. And she meets this boy who has a, a donkey with a with a cart and he lives in a with a garden like a gardener where they are making you know growing vegetables and things like that. And mm. so they go out on different adventures, and uh, her mother doesn't seem too bothered. And her mother, to all the Swedish listeners out there, is Tant Anita from Anita and Televinken, who was the yes. main Swedish national television That's hostess right. for children's programming. And she's hot. Oh, in yes. The film. She looks great. <laughs> Um, so so that's the setting, and it's pretty slow-paced, but it's also kind of surreal and, and psychedelic in, in, in many ways. Um, but go- going down to the, the, sort of the basics here is that it was also a box office failure, mm. and uh, Vibinus had put a lot of his own money into it, and this prompted him to actually go out in media and say, Okay, so they hated my film and no one wanted to see it. Now I'm going to make a real commercial shit movie. Yep. And that was to become his major oeuvre, namely... His masterpiece. Yes. Thriller, A Cruel Picture, a.k.a. They Call Her One Eye.
0: Which was also, unfortunately, a commercial failure. And so he decided to dial up the dial to 11 with a very hardcore and extreme uh, breaking point
1: Yes, which contains both ultraviolence and hardcore pornography.
0: And has a super groovy poster, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Mm. But, but you were saying that even though very different subject matters and very different audiences for these films, at least the first one versus the other two, there are stylistic and there are you know themes, things you can pick out and which would qualify, I guess. Bona uh, Viviennes, as an author,
1: Very much so. Um, watching this film was a revelation. But first of all, watching it on the big screen was amazing because it looks so good. But there are so many themes in it. There are actual scenes coming back in thriller. And there are also some camera movements and editing that you can immediately recognize from thriller. Mm. And I mean, there's even a, a car chase with a police car. And it's the same sound of of the sirens of the car as in thriller so that that was kind of mind-boggling and also the way he actually has to tell everything in an image so if someone is driving a go-kart you watch the whole go-kart race going on and on and on and on and on a little bit like the end of thriller where there's this ultra slow motion that goes on for 20 25 minutes
0: so Rather than having a hurdy-gurdy-schnurdy dialogue clip from it, shall we listen to a bit of the music from the film?
1: Yeah, let's do it. It's uh, also a scene that's sort of reminiscent of of one of kind of a dream sequence in thriller. And this one is where the boy has this uh, fantasy of being in a saloon, in a western saloon.
3: If you got the money, I got the time. We'll go honky-donkin' and we'll have a time. We'll make all the night spots, dance romance and dine. If you got the money, honey, I got the time. There ain't no use to tarry, so let's start out tonight. We'll spread joy, oh boy, oh boy, and we'll spread it right. We'll have more fun, baby, all the way down the line. If you got the money, honey, I got the time. The money, I got the time we we'll go hunk onkin and we'll have a time. Bring along your cadillac and leave my old wreck
1: behind. If you got the money, honey, I got the time. So shall we make a transit to the other theme this week, which is namely Swedish documentaries by doing a segue to the poster you mentioned before.
0: Yes, why don't we do that? Because um, not many people will be familiar with uh, the subject of the next documentary unless unless they are ABBA obsessive collectives, yeah. in which case they will know Hans Arnold from the very, very strange LP cover that he did for ABBA's greatest hit. So before they, they became big again with ABBA Gold, to get the greatest hit album, you had to have this psychedelic fold-out of... Um, that Abba's drawn and wearing monster clothing. I mean, how would you describe it? No. Yeah,
1: it's it's a it's a kind of a horror illustration with lots of monsters, and also the clothes and the and the platform shoes. Everything is like mon- monstrous in it.
0: I I love it. And I remember it distinctly from my childhood. And it's great that the ABBAs um, you know, tapped such a great artist, but it's such an incongruous, I mean, it is no less of an incongruous meeting of things than thriller versus a, a kid's film. So yeah. I don't want to spend too much time talking about it. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, just Google ABBA greatest hits, and you'll find it. But Hans Arnold was a um, profoundly influential uh, Swedish artist who did very bizarre paintings that were very detailed and graphically gorgeous. But they were always full of strange monsters uh, hiding in the shadows and the details. And it was, you know, twisted trees that were, you know, a witch's face and buildings that had scary mouths as doors. I I definitely stood out when I was a kid and remembered him. And he has been um, reappraised recently and recognized with an exhibition and a documentary film.
1: Yeah. And this film has had 12 years in the making. It's uh, The director, Mika Engström, has been working on this. It's a labor of love from him for a long, long, long time. But he managed to catch Hans Arnold during his last four years when he was alive. He passed away in 2010. And he's also a favorite artist of mine since my childhood. He was also extremely productive. Extremely productive. Yes. I mean, he was doing illustrations for magazines... Every week with, with like uh, short stories and things like that, he made uh, book covers, tons of them. He did yeah. a lot of, uh, actually, a number of horror film posters in Sweden. Mm. Whereof, as we talked about, Breaking Point by Bojan Vebianis was one. Breaking Point. Yes. He made a poster for one of the Hammer Draculas. Mm. Uh, and i personally personally uh, discovered in my collection the other day uh his um poster for duel the uh, steven spielberg spielberg one of spielberg's earliest films yeah (coughs) his very earliest although he doesn't want to acknowledge it because it was a tv film right but it was screened theatrically in sweden so this is in europe yes yeah and and there are a number of other posters we believe but he made so much that no one has been able to sort of count it, I would say. And then, of course, he had, you know, his separate exhibitions at galleries and things as well.
0: Yes. No, he's, he's truly, I mean, Google his name and just get a flavor of the kind of artwork that he did. But like I said, incredibly productive, uh incredibly talented as well. And... Um, very deserving of, of this documentary and, and wider recognition. So, the, and the breaking point, which is what we were referencing earlier, uh, the Buñuel Bienes film. You have that
1: poster, and it's I, I've seen it on your wall. Even mm. it's is it Italian size? It's the French size, the huge French, French size. One, yeah, and I have the Swedish seventy by hundred centimeters version mm. as well.
0: Yeah, but it's well, it's
1: great. I mean, it's it's amazing, and it's so funny with this very very odd film. And that was basically shown a couple of days in cinemas back in the day, and then buried, has uh, Hans Ardon making the poster and Ralph Lund still making the music, one of Sweden's most famous uh, electronic musicians.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't say the best thing about the film, because it is an interesting film, but it is an example of um, sometimes the um, ancillary kind of works almost outshining it, because the poster for Breaking Point is so Beautiful and iconic. Yeah, yeah. So Whereas shall he we conf- listen to accuse the bit... film of being <laughs> beautiful.
1: <laughs> yeah. Shall we listen a little bit to the music for the documentary where Ralph Lundstein has actually been involved?
0: Hansen's Hexmaster or Art of the Witchmaster, although I, I prefer it as the Sorcerer with a brush. Good. But yeah. yeah, check it out on Picks. Now, um, let's not go stateside just yet. Let's stay in Sweden for a little longer. And this film is an opportunity to see Smutpeddler in the front fish. of the camera. <laughs> Not that close, fortunately, but definitely on screen.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a short documentary, about 30 minutes, about a group of people that I really love and I've been part of. I've been very happy to be part of since, I don't know, 20 years, 25 years. And those are the um, kind of gray area film collectors of Scandinavia. When you say gray area, meaning I mean people trading with film prints, which is probably not kosher in terms of the industry, but then of um, course also no. dealing with a lot of other, a lot of other stuff. I think film prints are permitted, just
0: obviously not screening them commercially. Yeah, but yes. yeah, but yeah. The, the I mean, these are wonderful um, people who I'm sure many have girlfriends and wives, but they get together and sell 35 millimeter, 16 8. As well as Blu-rays, DVDs, VHSs. I mean, VHSs really come on premium for a collector, mm. as well as the projectors themselves, posters, cameras, magazines. You name it; it's all there. It's and all. having a good time
1: watching yeah. films, drinking beer together, and uh, and watching films on sixteen and thirty-five millimeter, of course. And this cinema. took place somewhere very
0: close to your heart.
1: Yes, it's my own movie theater uh, in my summer house in, in the woods of Sweden. It is indeed.
0: Um, and we're not going to reveal exactly where, maybe. You don't want no. a crazed fans showing
1: no. up on your doorstep. <laughs> I don't know. But it was funny. I was approached by the director, Ponte Silveby, who wanted to do this film. And uh, we got along fine. And, and it was a great, great thing. And also, very, actually, very emotional because the the sort of spider in the web, the guy who kept it all together. By by, uh, you know, sending out invites to people in in secondhand envelopes with secondhand stamps on them, was Mr. Ulf Ronny Gudarp, who is talking a lot in the film about himself, is collecting and about these uh, film collectors fairs. And just a few days after the shoot, he had a massive stroke and can't talk anymore. Mm. So if well, the timing was was good. His his words are now immortal.
0: Yes, and um, it's it's a bit like Hans Arnold, you know, just having catching them just in time. Yeah, exactly to immortalize them. Yeah. So, but yes, a very fascinating, very sweet look at you know this um, wonderful group of people who are definitely our tribe. Yeah. Uh, on cult Picks and in life,
1: and some of them are. You know, former or current uh, projectionists, so they are also very much involved in the industry itself.
2: Mm.
0: Well, check it out, yeah. and um, shall we play a little clip from the auction just to give people a flavor? Yeah, yeah. Every every
1: around. one of these gatherings end up with an auction where where people sell off stuff before they head for home.
3: 60 kom in till Timoli och då möter de Mr X med spelkort. och då blev Adam och Eva då och så blir det kärlekshistoria ända fram till nu nutid då, 71 alltså och Arne ska vi börja med 100 kronor då ingen som bjuder än 100 kronor Bitti Tove, Buster Larsen och Kristian Sarvig är med här första andra And
0: while we're staying with Swedish filmmakers, we're going to go a little bit more international and a little bit more adult, having started with children's and family films. So what is the next film that we're going to be talking about?
1: Well, the title is obviously a little loving nod to another film, Desperately Seeking Seca. And most people are aware uh, if you are into cult movies, of seca who was the main platinum blonde goddess of the uh, yes. x-rated films <coughs> in the 70s that's
0: right the platinum
1: princess of porn yeah no less and, and this film also has a lot of other <clears throat> legends from the time in it being interviewed like veronica hart peter north nina hartley ashlyn gear serenity John Leslie, Randy West, and the old dirty publisher, Al Goldstein. Mm. It's it's a roll call of smut kings and queens. Yeah. And it's basically a documentary where the Swedish journalist and a good friend of ours, Stefan Nylén, goes to the US to seek out his favorite porn star and see what she's up to these days and ask her about you know the times when she was a major star and how it was in the industry back in the day and we mm. have to remember this was a time where they made 35 mm feature films for yes. theaters before before VHS destroyed the whole porn business that's right yeah
0: it's a time when films had plots women had body hair yeah. and silicon
1: was just appearing maybe on the horizon yeah so um i think it's very enjoyable um i remember a small anecdote when they were they were doing the post-production of the film and uh, Stefan had written a lot of narration to it um, and it had to be timed with the editing of the film so we had to talk faster and faster and faster and faster to get all the words in <laughs> so I don't know how they how they fixed that at the end of the day but that, that's just a funny story I heard
0: yeah no but I mean she is a great great subject because she really epitomizes that golden age of porn as it's you yeah, know, the tired yeah. uh, epithet for it. But she did have a fascinating career. For example, I didn't know that she began um, working in a, a porn bookstore.
1: Oh, I didn't or know Or adult that. bookstore.
0: Okay. Yeah, so she was a clerk because, and she was seeing the um, man who owned it, who was married at the time. And um, yeah, so that was her entry into the world. So she would actually fix the loops uh, as they were on film back then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously she would end up watching a lot of the movies. And um, she, seeing that, she thought, well, she can do it and she can do it better. And that's how she came into the industry. And she, she took the name Seca, which I thought, I always wondered if she had some sort of Swedish Scandi connection. But mm-hmm. no, it was after a, a female blackjack dealer that she knew in Las Vegas, oh, who could have been Finnish, all well, yeah, I
1: know. Who knows? And, uh, of course, we have a feature film with her on cult picks as well. And that's of Dracula Course. sucks mm. where you can b- watch both her, Jamie Gillis and John Leslie, Serena that we talked about and yes. the, the, the notorious John Holmes as well. Mm. So you can watch the documentary about her and then watch her in action in one of the films from the time. Yeah,
0: you can. And um, again, this brought back memories and I started reading up on her again, something I didn't know. You probably didn't know either. That did you know that uh, she was the main inspiration for the character Amber Weaves in Boogie Nights by oh, Paul I didn't. Thomas Anderson? Yeah, because uh, of her appearance, she was involved. I'm in reading from Wikipedia, blatantly mm. stealing here. Uh, John Holmes in the documentary exhausted John C. Holmes, the real story. And of course, she wrote her own autobiography called Tellingly Inside Seca. Mm. Of course great name but it made me think and Stephanie Leon is such a wonderful guy and he's done so much for cult picks and for club super eight. we we love him yeah but it just me realize if you're obsessive about somebody you know to, to to stop from getting a restraining order just bring a camera say you're making a documentary i'm not stalking you sick honestly and then <laughs> i'm desperately seeking
1: you and then publish it yeah and then publish it that's funny that's good yeah but it's 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 a it's a it's a great film, and I think it's very much in in line with with cult picks. And obviously, all of these three documentaries we've been talking about they are definitely much much more modern than 1990, which we have said is the 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 the, the, the cutting point the cutting point for for films on cult Pigs. But we do have make an exception, and that's uh, documentaries about the old times. And we have a few yes. others of them as well.
0: In fact, we've never had so many recent films as this week with yeah. um, no less than three documentaries from the last decade. But That's they're true. very much about the 70s and that kind of golden age that Cold Picks and, and Club Super 8 is all about. So well, yeah. I think we're
1: definitely staying true to the ethos. Definitely. And and my, I mean, we make up the rules so we can do what the fuck we want.
0: <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah.
1: So do we want to hear
0: something from the film? <laughs>
1: Women can fake during, you know, sex on film. Men oh,
3: yeah, if they want to be stupid. They can fake it. Um, I can honestly say I, I didn't fake it most of the time, maybe three or four times. I figured if I'm going to do this, I might as well have fun with it. I mean, why waste a good orgasm? I mean, it would be, it would be very stupid, very silly thing to do. I mean, yeah, I mean, Meg Ryan did it in a, in a coffee shop in Seattle. But what fun is that?
0: So that was desperately seeking Seca, and wrapping up this week, which I think will make it a bit short. One uh, we should mention that uh, the Hans Arnold documentary, well, again in Swedish, um, you can watch it to get a feeling for his art. But there is also a short animation by Hans Arnold that yeah. we're publishing this week called "Fiat Knoppana."
1: Exactly, the fat birds. It's uh, it's uh, an animation that Hans Arnold made totally himself uh, in nineteen seventy. And it was, uh, I think it was commissioned by the National Swedish Television and they paid him very, very, very little money for it because Mm. it's a huge job to make cell animation, you know, one movement at a time.
0: Yeah. And it can definitely be enjoyed even if you don't speak Swedish. Yes. So we want to have something for international. It's a kind of bonus, I would say. It's definitely a bonus. So we like throwing in something a little extra. Yeah. So that pretty much wraps it up for this week's uh, films, which are focused heavily on Swedish documentaries and called for kids. Next week's we'll be back with something more um, adult, shall we say? Mm. And um, we're also going to be having lots more films from um, something Weird Video, because yep. that's proved very popular.
1: And, and there fact- we have a lot of really cool ones uh, coming up. Yeah.
0: And I think a special shout out this week to we've had some real super fans on social media getting in touch with us um hash and twisted movies above all on Instagram who um you know practically wrote us a love letter. I mean, oh, yeah. it was such a great thing to read so we're going to be reproducing it in its entirety in the newsletter um just because you know this this really validates what cult picks is all about when you read something like this and you realize yes there are people out there you know we talk about our tribe but who really appreciate the kind of stuff that we do and the kind of stuff that we love and they're just so happy because it can be a lonely thing to be a bit of a cult film fan especially if you're not in a big city but you know we do want to bring all of these souls together to
1: our religion yeah and this fan really nailed it in terms of the way we think and and what we're all about yeah so um
0: so yep yeah, so thank you to all of you who are keep downloading and listening to this and do write to us um i should say i'm not actually drinking while i'm doing this i had um a listener who got in touch with me he thought i was he could hear me uh open a bottle but it's not it's me playing around with my pen or my keyboard and the microphone is picking up on it. So I swear to you, we're recording this at, you know, a decent hour in the afternoon, too early to hit the bottle. But, but
1: you told yeah. me that it's, 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 uh, it's uh, seven o'clock somewhere on Earth. <laughs> it's always seven o'clock yeah. somewhere on Earth. So. And also that you always drink your moonshine while doing this uh, podcast. So I don't know what you trying to, you know.
0: I poured in a coffee cup. No one's supposed to notice. That's good. You've been listening to Cold Picks Radio with uh, Django Nudo and The Smut Peddler. We'll be back again next week. Take care. Bye.
3: If you got the money I got the time We'll go honky-donking And we'll have a time We'll make all the night spots Dance, romance and dine If you got the money, honey I got the time There ain't no use to tarry So let's start out tonight We'll spread joy, oh boy, oh boy And we'll spread it right We'll have more fun, baby All the way down the line If you got the money, honey, I got the time If you got the money, I got the time We'll go honky donky and we'll have a time Bring along your Cadillac and leave my old wreck behind. If you got the money, honey, I got the time.